Welcome, friends, to the Enduring Gifts of Marvin Gaye podcast. Brought to you by your 26-year listening veteran, Jessica. Join me as we celebrate these enduring gifts, the songs of Marvin Gaye. In each episode, I will share insights about the music and recount life experiences tied to it. I'm hoping to inspire you to take a first or your 500 first listen to these songs that are truly the enduring gifts of Marvin Gaye. Hello, welcome. Uh, In this episode, I want to focus on Marvin Gaye and Hawaii. Um, I have mentioned that numerous times, um, kind of in my content outside of the podcast, uh, a lot on Pinterest and on the YouTube channel. I have shared um, my photos and videos of times in Hawaii and like that is coming from a genuine connection to Marvin Gaye though is not just some random thing um where I first got that knowledge that Marvin really had a connection to Hawaii um was when I first got his uh book The Divided Soul semi-auto biography. Um, probably when I was about 15, I think I got that book. And, um, there was a a part in the book where it described that Marvin actually lived in Hawaii for a few months. I, I, a, a good little period of time there, he was really roughing it, um, <clears throat> in Hawaii. Uh, he was living in a bread van. He just kind of went off the grid, you know, and was just living real simply, you know, I see a lot on YouTube nowadays, it's real popular to try and, you know, do this van life thing, like getting a van and refurbishing it and living in the van, um, or, you know, the, the tiny homes thing. So like Marvin was down for that. Uh, there's a picture of him playing with his son in the bread van in the book and it says it's from April of 1980 so he was there for a little while with his son um and he visited you know multiple of the islands I was looking for kind of official references in my materials last night and uh in Jan Gay's book uh she has like a chapter dedicated to uh, various of their times in Hawaii. And she points out Oahu and Maui where they stayed. Now I have, I'm recalling also that somewhere, um, before I got a a reference that Marvin really enjoyed Maui and he really enjoyed like Haleakala, the Haleakala side of the Island, basically. Um, Maui kind of, I don't, and I've been to Maui actually the most of my trips to Hawaii, but I don't know the side (laughs) of the island 
that I'm referring to, but like call it if you're going like north to south, like if it's just top to bottom, right? And then there's a left and a right. Uh, Haleakala is basically the whole, it's like the backside of the island. That's the way to describe it. Um, and what it is, is it's this huge uh, dormant volcano, right? It's It's a mountain. It's just like a huge mountain. Uh, that leads up very high, um, and it, it used to be a volcano. Um, it's really famous, to, and I actually have never gone all the way up to Haleakala. I've never done this on my multiple trips to Maui. I think I've been to Maui four times, maybe five, uh, but I think it's only been four. And in all actuality, this is really odd. Like I have been to Maui the most of my trips to Hawaii, but it's not my favorite island at all. Um, at all. But I have been there the most. Um, so, but Haleakala and what Marvin, I have read, you know, he really enjoyed Haleakala. And I would understand why. What a lot of people do is it's like this thing to do about Haleakala is you go before sunrise. So you're going up the mountain. You like start heading up at like four o'clock, maybe in the morning. I don't know if that's maybe pushing it too late, but you get up to the top of the mountain, you know, so you're driving up the road that winds up the mountain in the pitch dark black, which I think is probably why I have not ever done that. It's pretty high. And I wouldn't really want to be driving a mountain road in the pitch dark black like that. Because um, it is a winding road and everything. And But you get up to the top and then you watch the sunrise because you are literally so high that you are you will be above the clouds. And so there's kind of like iconic pictures of that um, vantage point on Haleakala where people are you know, up at the very top and they're literally above the clouds. So what you, as the sun starts to rise, what you're just seeing is like an ocean of clouds. It's really cool. I would want to do it, but then at the same time, I wouldn't, you know, because <laughs> it's like, excuse me, when I'm going to Hawaii, I'm on vacation and it is like a needed vacation. It's like a restful needed vacation. And I am not trying to get my black ass up before the ass crack of dawn to, uh, you know what I'm saying? It just said then on top of that to be driving in the pitch black up some winding ass mountain that I'm not familiar with. And yeah, and then they also, this is what they say too. And this is another thing that I'm not ever really trying to pack with me when I'm going to Hawaii. They always say they're like, and it's really, really cold up at the top of the mountain. So if you plan to do that, like you need to have like a coat and you know what I'm saying? Like you can't just go up there with your beach wear because you're going to be really cold up at the top of the mountain like that. And it's like, you know what? No, that's okay. Mm -mm. I'm not going to Hawaii to be cold. You know what I mean? And I don't know if I, I don't care if I have to go seek that out like that. You know what I'm saying? Like you really have to make an effort to go get yourself cold like that in Hawaii. But no, I'm not trying to do that. So <laughs> I just, I can kind of leave it. The It's interesting though too about uh, Maui and the Haleakala side like that. And there's definitely a portion 
where it is you're you're clearly seeing this is Haleakala, right? Like it's just all the mountain and it's like really rocky. No, and I I don't want to make it seem like but it's like stone, right? Like it's just and it you can it goes high and then it just kind of slopes all the way down and you're you've got your little very tiny road that you're on and then there's a little bit of the island to your left but then it's like a, a vast drop off down into the ocean and the the characteristic of the landscape there though is that it's just so dry it's very deserty looking there it's not tropical at all it's like cactusy it's very dry it's very barren um so the it is it's like oh okay yeah i can see this was like a volcano at one point you know what i mean it's just very rocky it's just stone rock and it's not tropical at all so it's an it's an interesting change in the scenery and that can also be something where you're kind of feeling like oh i didn't come to hawaii to be in the desert you know what i mean it's really weird but that being the case too it is very um less populated on that side of the island and it can be definitely especially to to just take time and and you know drive up during the day you know to higher up on the mountain would be cool my parents told me one trip they've taken that they did that they actually drove up to the top up there and did that um yeah i don't know one time I was looking into doing a bike ride. They have a, a bike ride that kind of starts near the top of the mountain. And then you just ride and you just basically coast, right? You just coast your bike down the hill. Um, one time I went on a trip to Maui with my parents and they were the ones that were talking me out of doing that so bad. I am adventurous. I will do things and I'll tell you about the thing that I did end up doing. I was like, oh my gosh, you guys don't want to do anything but just go to the beach and, and be in the sun all day. Like, which is fine. Like, that's a really great thing to just want to go do. But they didn't want to ride bikes. They didn't want to do any. And I was like, you guys, you're killing me. So I was like, I've got to just go do some of these things myself. Like, they can't kill my time. <laughs> so I was interested in doing the bike, but they were both like, of course, they're going just straight to worst case scenario. And they were like, oh, you don't want to ride a bike like that because you don't want to like use the brakes. If you put the brake on the bike, you would flip over and die and roll down the, and I was like, wow. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess I wouldn't want to do that then. Um, but what I went and did instead, and this was on the Haleakala side and we drove up kind of high onto the mountain there and then I got strapped up to this guy he was in the back and I was in the front because we were doing this tandem thing and he was like six foot five I'm five five so he was a full foot higher than me we're just kind of there was a van full of us that were driving up this mountain we got collected at the bottom and then we you know piled into this van and we were driving up to the top and they were just kind of, that was our little tutorial is like, they were briefly kind of telling us what we were going to do. We were going to get tied together and we were going to be tandem and we were going to, you know, just need to be in sync with each other. And then we were going to run and we were going to jump off of a cliff and we were going, he was going to handle uh, uh, the fact that we would now be paragliding. And so I was doing that and, um, 
but he was a foot taller than me. And so we get up there, right? Now, in this van with us was a whole bunch of locals that were just like beach bums that were hitching a ride in this van to go up by themselves. They hadn't paid for the tour, but they knew the guy that owned the company. And so just on their own, they had their own equipment and they were paragliders themselves. And so they were just going up, taking a ride up to the top and they were just going to feel it out and see if they were going to do it themselves that day. And so as we were driving up to the top, all of them were talking shit. They're like, oh, hell no, dude. There's way too much fog going on right now. And you, when look at how much thicker it's getting as we're getting up here. You can't see anything. They're like, oh, hell no. This is dangerous. We're not going to do this. We can't go. And, <laughs> and I'm sitting there. But like our plans, the people that had paid to do this, they were not canceling us to do this. And so then we got out. Once we got up to the spot and one of the fools. One of the locals, he came up to me and he was like, you know, I just want to let you know, though, like, that's just us. Like, we're not going to do it, but you don't need to feel bad about doing doing it right now. And I was like, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a fail. But that's like an epic fail uh, trying to reassure me right now, because what the fuck? You know what I mean? But like, whatever. So we got up there and then me and this dude got connected together. Like he was harnessing me in and stuff. And right, like, he's behind me because he was the one in the back that was going to be controlling all the gear and stuff. And this was our prep. He was like, all right, you know, there we were probably, like, 20 feet from the edge of this cliff. And the thing of it was, though, the fog was so dense and thick that that's, like, there was the edge of the cliff and then there was fog. Like, I couldn't see the drop. I couldn't see any type of a view. Fog was just encircling us and so he had everything strapped in and then he was like all right you know we're just gonna we're gonna run like we need to get a good running start so we'll just start we'll just start we'll kind of start low and then we'll just go and so we were we started out low and I was like okay like let's just kind of practice getting low and we started out low and then he started to run and he kind of like stood up before too long. Well, this, it was literally like Fred Flintstone when he did that dude, like my feet were just floating in the air. Like I was trying to run my little feet were moving, but they were just moving air. And I have a videotape of this. I was videotaping this and he uh, starts to freak out on me as soon as we jumped off of the cliff and we were in the air and he was like, I can't believe you made me carry you. And I was like, dude, you're a foot taller than me. Once you raised up, my feet were off of the ground. How the fuck could I have been running with you? He's like, well, I can't believe that you made me carry you. He's like, well, if that's your reasoning, he's like, don't ever go paragliding with somebody that's shorter than you. And I was just like, um, okay, I don't see the reasoning there. Like, if the... <laughs> so he was a dick dude oh my gosh it was just like and then being like strapped onto him like that it was very um uncomfortable it was just an awkward time for me but I I am glad that I was videotaping it because I just got to get some great scenery finally I mean a lot of it in the very beginning we are still in the fog but then it opened up and you could see the island from the air so it was pretty cool um but all of this, this is Maui. This is the side of the island that I have heard that Marvin was really drawn to. Um, in Jan's book, she was explaining how 
Uh, one time, Marvin had a concert appearance out on the island of Oahu. And so then they were staying in luxury. They were just staying on these really nice, uh, in this really nice luxury hotel. And the thing about Oahu that's really cool is that all of the beaches there are public. Now, Jan was describing that they were walking on a private beach for the hotel that they were at. But the first time that I ever went to Hawaii, I went to Oahu. And I very much had an expectation that, you know, there would be parts of the beach that were private, but it was immediately explained that it's all public. And so um, I stayed in Honolulu, which is, you know, the capital city. It's where you fly into. And I didn't get a rental car, but how did I do this too? Oh, they had a little trolley. Because I was like, I went far away from the heart of Honolulu, though. They do. They have a little trolley that runs on a, just a little loop in a regular basis. And it goes pretty far, just kind of up to about Diamond Head. And then it turns back around and comes down. And then it just runs that loop back and forth. So I, I caught the trolley. And I took it pretty far up, you know, out of Honolulu, out of the heart of the city, uh, farther up into more, you know, just kind of rich people. It was like the equivalent of like Beverly Hills, right? It was just like rich homes, you know, kind of tucked away off of this, this main road that you were driving on. And there was a, a scenic overlook where it kind of looks down real high on a cliff down into the ocean. But there's a trail that you can take to walk down there. And um, I did that took me a while to get down there um you know and then so I I took the trolley and they were looking at me because I was like I was getting off and they were like well are you getting back on and I was like no because I took the trolley up there and then I walked down that little winding trail to get down like hundreds of feet down to the ocean and then I was it was totally isolated down there I think I saw maybe five people on like a mini mile walk back down to Honolulu and I did I was just walking along beach now when I first got there the beach was very like slate it was very stony it was there was no sand it was just like black rocks right like black not like black pebbles but just like slate like it was just volcanic right it's just a leftover volcano it because it, it is right by diamond head it's like diamond head volcano which is like the main huge dormant volcano on the island of oahu um and it just goes you know from very high down to the ocean and, and so that's like the black rock of of diamond head so i got down to the water and I saw some people out were surfing right there because it's very isolated. Like, there's no tourists were there. And I chilled there for a little bit. And then I was like, okay, I got to get walking back. And I just made my way. Um, and it was now. So like I had said, there were these houses tucked off of the main road well, up higher when I was on that trolley. Now that I had, you know, gone, climbed down and. I feel like it was kind of a climb up for a little while too. But then at a certain point, I was just like on this pretty tight little trail. It was kind of like a little sidewalk, but it was literally right behind all of these rich houses. Like it was their yards and then their fences and then this little sidewalk path. 
And it, but that was free access, right? It was, it wasn't private. Like I wasn't trespassing to just be walking behind all of these multi-million dollar estates. You know what I mean? So it's like, they do have beachfront access like that. And they have, it is pretty private for them. You know, it's, it's their backyard. And you have me being the pedestrian there. Like I had to go through changes to get down there, but I was totally able to just be taking in this breathtaking view like that, just walking along the ocean. Cause it was more of just, like I said, this little sidewalk than beach. Like it wasn't a whole lot of beach as opposed to just kind of like the back of their property, this little sidewalk, and then a uh, kind of a little stone wall next to that. And then the ocean. So I walked that for miles and miles. And then there was a little park that opened up. So it stopped being homes. And then there was this little park. But the little trail was still pretty tight along there. And I kind of have a feeling like it was near there that John was talking about that she and Marvin had stayed. It was in Kahala is what I heard her refer to it as. And I feel like that's kind of where this is. I've only been so... Oh, I don't want to say only, but I've been to Oahu twice. Um, like I said, my ver- this was this time I'm telling you about was my very first trip there, and uh, I didn't have a rental, so I was walking. But yeah, my very first trip to Hawaii was very much getting it. I very much understood, you know, what it is about just the um, aloha spirit. You know, it's just a very cool place I will say and I don't mean any offense to this and actually I know that these people wouldn't even be offended but it's not always a friendly experience um coming across the locals there I I have been now by now uh, and it's a sin that I can't remember how many times I think I've been there eight times I think it is accurate to say eight um because I don't it isn't nine and I know it's not less than eight. So I've been there eight times um, throughout the islands. I just haven't been to the big island yet. Um, but it kind of, you know, you I will do tours. You know, I'm doing little activities or whatever. And you're coming across a lot of the local people. And just a lot of the time, I'm not going to say predominantly, but I will say a lot of the time. And so then it kind of colors too. It's kind of like a definite type of experience that you can have encountering some of the locals there it, but it's kind of like a consistent thing they just really don't like having uh, people there right and they um kind of criticize you for like how are you living your life back on the mainland and i remember i was taking this rainforest tour one time so we're hiking very far into the rainforest and this guy he's a local and he's just grumpy as hell about everything and I they like I, I hear a lot of complaining about how um, the cost of living is for things out there, and it's always the same little statistic that I hear about, like oh, it's five dollars for a gallon of milk. You know, it's just like, and it's just really hard to get by out here, and you know, they're just like it's a lot of just kind of resentment. It's just like deep seated resentment, and so we were doing this hike, and he was wanting to know where everybody was from in the mainland, so I said where I was from and uh, people were talking about they're like oh have you ever been to like the state that's right next to you because I hear that that's like so scenic and, and it's really close to where you live and I was like yeah no I've never been there 
And the guy just was so offended by that. He's like, who are you? What type of a person are you? Like, why are you all the way out here? But you've never even taken time to go to the States right next to you. And it was, I mean, so it's stuff like that. (laughs) It was just like, but here I am like miles away from town, just thick into the rainforest with this guy. And it's just like, like, so uh, I've had those types of experiences just multiple times with, with people that you kind of are doing whatever you're doing out there. Um, But, you know, a lot. So that's why, okay, let me go back, though, to how I said, like, the aloha spirit of the island out there. It's really more of the island itself. It's like the spirit of Hawaii. Um, It surpasses even those kind of just cold experiences that you can have with some of the, the local people there. It's like, despite kind of how just icky those experiences can be it's like just being there the presence of of that location it like surpasses that so that it's just like the aloha spirit of the islands themselves you know it's like you it blocks out kind of resentful negative people (laughs) and i mean i am not trying to talk crap about the locals at all because just like probably far outweighing those experiences, you know, I have encountered so many pleasant, helpful people. Oh my gosh. To explain the degree to which I'm talking about that I have experienced pleasant and helpful, just angelic people out there. Um, but isn't that the thing with anything? It's like positive and negative. There could be a thousand positives and that one negative is kind of going to be the thing that, that sticks out to you. Um, but one time this was ridiculous but I I do want to explain the story to kind of explain myself how this happened so there is a um, side of the island of Kauai that I had not ever traveled to though this was now my third trip out there and so because of that I knew that I was going to take a day and just go do the whole west side. It's like the the literal the west side of the island. And I started in the first part of the morning and I started to drive out there. Now I had rented a convertible. I will say most of the times that I go out there I do rent a convertible. That is the place on the planet to do the top down, right? Like it's the perfect weather for it. And so this specific trip, actually, let me tie this. I really do want to keep this connected to Marvin. It is about Marvin. So this trip that I'm going to speak about was the time that I've mentioned in my very first episode. It's the trip that I told you I took to Kauai when I went off of the grid. And the thing about that trip, the predominant thing about that trip that just helped me to gather myself um, in life, you know what I mean, is that I went out there for a week with nothing, not a cell phone, not a laptop, no electronic devices that connected me to the internet, right? But what I had was my two carrying cases of my 20 discs of Marvin. And that was what I had for music, for, you know what I mean? I I had this little rental car and I just... Every time I got in the car, I did not listen to any radio. I just put in my Marvin discs. And so it really had me reliant on just really reconnecting with just Marvin, right? Um, 
kind of by that point in time, I've definitely, you know, I've explained it. Like I've evolved. I'm Trey Songs. I'm Maxwell. I'm just, you know, kind of radio, you know, listening to other things. But this time, it just for any time that I was accessing music to only have my Marvin to DJ the situation, it was a very renewing, cleansing, safety you know, the, the safety of past, the safety of simpler times, just, you know what I mean? It was a reconnecting to simpler, safer, happier times for me. So it was very, very good. So very respectfully needing to express how I have come across very angelic spirited people out on those islands, way more than any of the negative that I just explained. Um, so this day I leave in the morning, I'm driving to the West side of the Island and I've been, you know, to the tip toe of it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause you have to drive South and then, and that's as far as I had been, I'd been to like the South point of the Island at points before. And then I would get there and I would turn around and I would come back. So for a good portion of the drive at first, this is familiar territory. I have seen these sites before, but then I could tell when I was into areas that I had not ever been before. So I'm driving along and the road kind of turns off of the main road, but that main road kind of ends and then it kind of juts around. And now you're just kind of driving on some more gravel type of roads. And so I, and, but the gravel road kind of has some forks in it too. So I went as far as one of the forks would take me and it was very deserty, just exactly like Maui on the Haleakala side is. And that was surprising to me because I had never seen this very uh, desert scenery in Kauai before. Kauai is known as the Garden Island. So, you know, because it's just so green, it's so rainforesty, tropical. So this desert stuff that I was seeing, cactuses and just real prickly, dry, you know, sticks and stones. I was like, where in the world? I had no idea that I would be coming across this. And so I was driving on this little gravel road as far as it went. And then I just turned around and came back down and I came back to another fork that I had seen. And then I was driving and this was totally gravel now. And I was driving on this gravel road for probably like five miles. I'm not exaggerating. And it was just going and going and going. And it was just in the middle of, of the country there. There was nothing. There was no phone towers. I mean, I don't even know if you would have cell service if you were out there. Um, just there's no homes, no nothing, you know, it's just out in nothing. And it was very dry, like it, it was getting more vegetated, there was more trees and greenery and stuff, but it was still just out in the middle of nowhere. And I'm driving and driving and driving on this gravel road and the road is fine, right? Like it's, it's sturdy, right? So I'm driving and driving. And then finally, uh, this road is kind of ending. And so I pull over and I park. And I can see because it's like a little, um, uh, outhouse, dude. But here's one thing that I just have to say about the outhouses in Hawaii. They are in amazing shape. I, I you know, if you've ever, like I've, I told you before, we would go fishing a lot. And so sometimes there would be, you know, a little, like a little rest stop kind of facility, right? Where they do, it's like a toilet, but it, you know, it's just a toilet and it's kind of an outhouse. Those, they have those in Hawaii too. They don't stink to high heaven. You know what I mean? And they're pretty darn freaking clean. And 
I was just, I went into this thing because I really had to use the restroom and I was so just surprised at how not unpleasant of an experience that was. I was just like really, really tripping about how clean that thing was. And I experienced that more than one time. So it's just, it's interesting. Um, but that's just a, a random little thing. I had to point that out. So I got out and cause it I could see there was one of those facilities and then, uh, and it was pretty shady right here where this was, but I could see that it had like a trail, the kind of a little beach, sandy trail access down to this beach. Now what this beach turned out to be, and I had heard about this, but I had not been seeing the beach yet until I had to pull off of this gravel road park and kind of walk down. Um, this is the longest beach on Hawaii. I think of all of the Hawaiian islands, they say, possibly not, possibly there's a longer beach on Lanai, but, uh, this is like a 19 mile long, pristine beach because it's very isolated. And I mean, look at how far I just told you what I was coming through. Like the tourists are not actively seeking this, this beach out, right? You, you've driven out of your way to get to it. It's like the road ends on the island here. So um, I started to hike to the beach. And then once I got through like the, you know, the greenery and the, you know, entrance to it. And I just was out on the beach. So many things are going on. It is a very long beach and it's a very deep beach. So meaning it probably was like half a mile from where I was standing down to the ocean. Okay. I mean, it's like a very, very wide beach and it is a very, very hot beach. Now here was a tidbit that I found out about the Hawaiian islands, probably on like my fourth or fifth trip, but this would have been really handy information to have from the beginning. They explained, um, there are these little 24 hour local stations that you'll get in your hotel rooms and it will take you around the Island. So it'll start in the North, East, Southwest, and it'll tell you restaurants, activities, sites to see little shops to go into. And so one of the times I was watching one of these stations on one of the islands was the only time that I've ever gotten this information. They pointed out that the Hawaiian islands are on the same latitude, longitude, whatever one it is of the Sahara Desert. And so they were just trying to explain, like, be advised then. You know what I'm saying? Like, take note. We're getting the same intensity of sun out here as is what's going on in the Sahara Desert. And we know how hot that is. They're like, the only reason that it's not as hot as that is because we're smack in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Okay, like we're in the middle of the ocean. So we get some, you know, ocean breezes and shit too. But we're getting the same intensity type of sun as is what's going on in the Sahara Desert. So don't get it twisted. You need to put your SPF on black people too. Okay, and you need to stay hydrated. And as much as you can, like, don't just be out baking in the sun in the heat of the day, you know, and like the noon to two, three o'clock, that's like not the best time of the day to just be out just on the beat. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't do that. So, um, when I got to this beach, it was only probably about 11 o'clock. Like I had left early, right? Maybe it was closer to noon, but oh, good gosh. Once I got out of the cover of the trees, because up to the point that I got to this opening, it was cover of trees and shade and stuff. It was comfortable. But as soon as I got out, just wide ass out onto this beach, it was like 500 degrees. The sand itself was probably a thousand degrees. It was so hot. I had on the little flip flops, right? And 
you know, the sand that was touching my feet anyway. Ooh, it was so hot. They don't have any lifeguards out there. They have just, you know, the little outhouse facility that I had, but they didn't have any like paid lifeguards. No, there's no water stands that you can go to. So, and I clearly quickly was seeing the only people that were out here were locals because they came out there prepared. Every single person out there had a four wheel drive vehicle. They had brought their own type of awning tent, uh, you know, covering material. They had stakes where they were pitching their own little shade tents. You know, they were making their own little shade spots and they were set up with, you know, water coolers and, you know, supplies to just be comfortable as they could be out in this very hot as hell sand. And the ocean right there is popping off too. It's like very strong waves and tide and stuff right there. So, and they, they, it, the riptide, like you can get pulled out into the ocean, you know, very quickly. So, and they're like, and they, on the little 24 seven channel, I paid attention to this after I went and did this day. I, I was looking at the station day or so later and I was like oh yes they're pointing out there because they let me point out all the stuff that I later got I was like yep I can confirm that they were like yeah it's a pristine it's the longest beach it's 19 miles it's continuous you know what I mean but it has no facilities there's no shade there's no trees it's very it's like a half a mile deep it's the sand gets very 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 hot um, you know, bring some type of shade for yourself, bring water. You're going to have to bring everything. There's no facilities out there. The ocean is popping off right there. Only experienced swimmers should even be trying to touch the water. Um, there's no lifeguards. Uh, you know, so it's, you got to just come prepared. Well, in a way I didn't, in a way I didn't, you know what I mean? So I just kind of walked a little bit on that sand and I, you know, I didn't have this information beforehand. So I could clearly tell, I was like, damn, this sand is really, really hot, dude. And there's not an ounce of shade to be found on this beach. Like once you actually get to the beach, there's no tree cover at all. There's no shade to find. And I'm not trying to have to walk in this beating ass down sun right now, the half a mile that it would take me to get down to the water, and I can see that water is popping off. I'm not going to go try and dip a toe in that. So it was just like, okay, I need to go back through that little shade space that I just came from and keep it moving. So there was a little bit more of the road from where I was that I could I could keep driving through, and I did. And so then I ended up driving literally to the end of this road. It's like the end of the road on the west side of the island of Kauai, okay? That is so cool. You can literally drive the roads on the island of Kauai until they just stop, and then the road doesn't go any further on the island. And so I drove the road as far as it goes very south and west on the island. And once I got there, though, there was this cool thing. They did have this built little shelter, and it was it was concrete, and it was very wide. It was like a little house, and it was pitched up, and so it was providing tons of shade. And I just chilled there for mm, half an hour or so. It was still a ways back from the ocean, but it was right up on the sea cliffs of the west side of Kauai, which is 
a good portion of the island and it is completely unconstructed. I was about to say uninhabited, but I wouldn't be so sure that it is. I, I think people could be trying to rough it in there. Um, but those cliffs are just thousands of feet. They just jut down. And so that was beautiful scenery. Black. They're just black rock cliffs coming down. And so that was a, a cool spot to just chill, you know. And so I sat there for about half an hour. And then it was like, all right, this I'm over this, though. This is not the day that I was thinking. I thought I was going to be able to lay out on the beach. I thought it was going to be pretty isolated, which it was. But I thought it would be a lot more just environmentally comfortable than it was. It was probably close to 100 degrees. And that sand was legitimately probably close to 500 degrees. I mean, it was just way, way, way more than I was expecting. So I get in the car, I turn around. Okay, so now I'm coming back through the whole gravel road that I've been on so far. Well, then finally, I get to another fork in it that I hadn't paid attention to when I'd been driving up. So I was like, oh, let me go this way. Because there is some spot on Kauai called Queen's Bath. And that's what this sign said. It was like this way to Queen's Bath. And I've heard about it. It's like some famous something. I don't know, like a sinkhole or they call it or something like that. It's some type of a water thing a natural water thing that's going on and so I was like oh as long as I'm here because it's like I do not plan to come back out here again on my trip so as long as I'm right here and this is however many times I've been to this island too I'm gonna keep going and go see this queen's bath get this knocked out and then I'm gonna head back so I, I drive down this other fork and it's still a really solid gravel road and there's no more signs though. And the road just kind of turns to the right. It just, you're on a road and then it just turns. So then I was driving now, but it was like a sharp turn. And so I turned and I was driving through and I could see cars were parked along this thing. And so I was like, oh, cause I could tell it was giving me another access point to another part of the beach, just like probably a mile or two farther from where I had just been. And so I was like, okay, this is cool. And so then it started to go up a hill. And I was like, okay. And then the next thing I knew, though, I was at the top of the hill. And then I kind of had kept going. But there was no more road. I was completely on this beach now. And there had really not been a whole lot of indication that the gravel road was going to just completely end like that. And so I had gone probably just like five feet too far. And now I was completely in the sand of this beach. And quickly, that became a uh, known reality that, oh, I it's like quicksand. It's like putting this car right now in quicksand. Because all that happened is the car stopped moving and I just started sinking in the sand. And I was just like, oh, you have got to be kidding me, dude. You absolutely got to be kidding. I can't believe this just happened. So I was like, all right, let me put it in. Let me back up. I got to get off of this. I was like, whoa, I didn't mean to do this, right? And so... This thing wasn't moving forward or back. I was stuck as fuck, dude. And so I really had to step outside of all of my comfort zones because I'm not a people person. I'm a shy person. I've had just, I, I've explained my childhood growing up. I've had in a very abusive experience from people you know what I'm saying like people have just been very abusive to me throughout my life so I tend to just stick to myself I don't really you know what I'm saying I'm not 
uh, go out of my way to just come up and, and introduce myself to people. You know what I'm saying? Like I've very rarely had pleasant experiences with strangers, you know, like that, you know what I'm saying? So I don't do that. You know, it has shut me down from doing that, but I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to go approach somebody that I'm seeing here on this beach and see if they can help me right now. And so this is what I'm talking about, the angelic spirits of, of people that are out there. And it's just their spirit. And I, it's just their appreciation of that they get to have their life out there in paradise like that. And so they are just very, they're, they're operating from a different source of energy, right? So I did, I walked up there, I could see there was down on the beach, a tent of some locals, and they had some women and some men, they were couples. And I just went up and I told them what had happened. They, without hesitation, were doing so many things. They were making me feel okay. They were like, oh, it happens. They were like, yeah, you need to have four-wheel drive if you come out onto the beach. But they were like, even people with four-wheel drive have gotten stuck. We've all gotten stuck out here. It happens. It's no big deal. Whatever. We'll help you out. And so then, too, without hesitation, though, they just did what they had to do to drag me out of that beach. And it took them a while. They broke a rope that they had. I mean, it was crazy, but they, without even thinking twice about it, were just doing everything they could do like that to get my car out of the this, this situation. So that was a very drastic experience. That was a very, ooh, it, it, I don't want to say humbling because it's not an arrogance that I have that makes me not want to approach people, but it was a trepidation, right? It was a definite questioning of, oh my gosh, I have to go talk to some strangers right now. What type of an experience am I going to have with that? And so to come across people that were just so open-hearted and just going to do everything that they could to help me get out of a desperate situation like that. I mean, it was amazing. And I, you know, honestly don't know that that would have been my experience. Lots of other places that that could have happened to me. So yeah, there's definitely a predominance of experiences like that with the people that are out there in those islands. And I know that that had to resonate with Marvin. It just resonates with anybody that has the opportunity to get out there. And just one thing that I would suggest to you is if you ever have a desire or a thought, if you've never been, but you have a thought that that's something you would like to do, look into it. Look at holiday times. Um, I will say one time, the first time that I went to Maui, I did a little in and out trip. I got to Maui Thursday and I came home Sunday. So just a, you know, real in and out little trip like that. But I booked it probably like two days ahead of time. So just a real quick look for the trip, booked it, took a real short trip, came right back. But I, it was right around Christmas. I feel like it might've been the week before Christmas. I got a disc, like a 40% off discount at a five-star resort. My room was everything and I paid very little for it. So you can find some screaming deals. And I will say this has been my experience seven times out of 10 that I start to price out trips. I will price out two directions to go to Florida because I will oftentimes have a mindset that it's cheaper for me to go to Florida than to Hawaii. And then I'll look at Hawaii at the same time. It's seven times out of 10 cheaper to go to Hawaii. And seven times out of 10 is not more expensive to go to Hawaii than it is to go to Florida. So I would just encourage you don't let any type of preset, you know, thought process keep you from experiencing that experience it multiple times. Don't put that off as like a pipe dream of like a once in a lifetime trip, experience it, do it for yourself, 
budget for it, but it's really not going to be that drastic of a deal. You just have to search. You have to give yourself months in advance or also though you can look two out two days in advance and still come up with a great deal. I went spring break one time, got a great deal. And then around Christmas time, they can have some screaming deals because it might be cancellations or whatever. You know what I mean? So yeah, but it's definitely, it can be attained. It can be an affordable thing. Um, and I have just as much as I can, I try and get out there and I just am having Marvin in my ear or he is the soundtrack to the road trips that I take out there. So I have shared multiple of my videos of that on the YouTube channel. Um, please take a look. I have one that's a really, it's probably about 12 minutes of me sitting on an isolated beach in Kauai. And there's no music to it. I didn't put any music to it. But I had Marvin in my ear, right? Like I was sitting there listening to Marvin as I was filming this, this little 12-minute video of myself sitting on the beach. Um, I think that Hawaii, a lot of the instrumental songs of Marvin's from the late seventies that I will hear, I, I get the feeling that the visions that are supposed to accompany this music are scenes from Hawaii. I just feel like Hawaii is Marvin's inspiration for this sound that he is making. I think it inspired his art. Um, so an example of that is one of the videos that I have up on my YouTube channel. It's um, photos from my first trip to Kauai set to an instrumental of Marvin's. And it's an unreleased instrumental. Um, it's from a reissue of the I Want You album. And hold on, I'm looking really quick. Yep, let me get here. It is You Are The Way You Are. It's a previously unreleased um, instrumental uh, from his I Want You time frame. So the late 70s. Um, yeah. I Here was what I kind of think about Hawaii. Um, so unfortunately, right, when I was looking at Jan's book last night, because I remembered her talking about them being in Hawaii multiple times. She talked about the trip to Oahu. She talked about an extended trip out on Maui. She explained how they come across the guitar player, George Benson, when they were out there, he had a home. I think he, you know, he's had a home for many years out on Maui. And so he would take them around and show him his favorite sites on the Island. Um, but unfortunately from her book and even from the semi autobiography, um, the time, frame of Marvin's life and what was going on in Marvin's life. So how I will best just categorize this is uh, in the late, well, mid-90s, I was in high school, it's probably about 17, uh, MTV did this biography or documentary on biography, right? It couldn't have been a documentary on Marvin. And they hyped it up for weeks before it was coming. And then when it was there, I was just, my eyes were glued to it. And it gets to the part where it's talking about how Marvin was in Hawaii and it cuts over to their talking to Smokey Robinson. And Smokey says that when Marvin was out in Hawaii, he contacted Smokey and asked Smokey if he could wire him over like $5,000, $1,000, $5,000, some amount of money. 
And Smokey said that he wouldn't do it because he knew what Marvin would have done with the money and the people that Marvin had around him and that he just he wasn't going to fund that. So he was like, it was the like one and only time that I ever denied Marvin anything. And he's like, it was really hard on me, but I just knew it wasn't in his best interest to give him the money. Unfortunately, that was kind of the circumstances of Marvin's life times that I have read about him being in Hawaii. But here's my take on that. I just kind of think that Hawaii gave us a little bit more time with Marvin. I really do think that, like, I I don't know if I've said this so far, but kind of like that Hawaii is bigger than circumstances. Uh, I mentioned that I've been to Maui the most, but it's not my favorite island. And so here is a reason why I one time took a trip specifically to Maui. I was just having a hard time in life. I was feeling pretty lost. I just was in this career that I didn't want anymore. And I just, I just needed to sort things out for myself. Well, it was kind of a sin to me to want to go to my favorite island, which is Kauai, but to be in that funk of a mindset. I didn't want to let the scenery at all be clouded by my mindset. So I was like, I can't be in this energy and go to Kauai. I'm not going to do that. I don't want memories of Kauai in this energy for myself. So it was like, well, Maui's not my favorite island. I'm going to go to Maui. I do need to go to Hawaii and I'm going to go to Maui and I'm just going to go sit down and I'm just going to, you know, try and sort things out. I'm just going to take some quiet time. I'm going to be in a very sacred you know, locale, and I'm just going to try and sort things out. And so there is a picture that I took of myself, and I will post it. If I make a board for this episode, I will post this picture. Um, Because I was, I was pretty lost. I just was feeling kind of overwhelmed, you know, just out of sorts with life. And um, I was sitting on this uh, lawn chair. And, um, you know, I was kind of feeling kind of dark, you know, but I took and I just snapped this picture. I don't I was sitting very close to the ocean. Uh, This place that I was at, it had a, a large lawn that had then some rocks that went down a ways. So it was up pretty high off of the ocean and then down to the ocean. But it was like the middle of the day and it was just such a beautiful scene. The sun was shining. And so I just snapped a picture of what I was looking at. And I ended up getting a good portion of myself in the picture. And years later, I I had come across this picture again. And I remembered mentally where I was at that moment, taking that picture. But what overwhelmed me as I was looking back at the picture itself was how bright, just how surrounded by light I was. Like that picture is just so full of light. And that's what I really think that Hawaii just kind of does. Hawaii is pretty much bigger than a lot of circumstances. There's been several times that I've just had some stressful kind of unknown circumstances going on back here in the mainland. And I just go take myself and sit my ass down in Hawaii. I'm looking at my YouTube channel right now. It's a Marvin Gaye loved Hawaii Kauai Nepali coast sunset. It's eight minutes and 39 seconds. Please watch that. That is, and I, there's a, a bird that flies along towards the end of that video in this scene that I'm capturing. And it's just, I, at the end of that, I just want to say, amen. You know what I mean? It's just, it's a very sacred spiritual place and it's for rejuvenation. It is for healing. It is for health. Um, I have a chronic, uh, autoimmune disease and times that I go out to Kauai, I, 
my body feels so much better. My symptoms are not flaring. Uh, I feel like I'm getting better. So I, it's just, yeah, it's, it's an amazing, amazing place. And it was that for Marvin to where what I'm saying is, uh, unfortunately kind of right at the time frame that he made his way out there, his life was not in the best shape, but I think that we kind of got, the more time that we got with Marvin and the albums that we got from Marvin kind of from some helpful healing, uh, inspiring times that he had in the Hawaiian Islands. So, uh, a song that ties to this, let me wrap this up with one last little anecdote about Hawaii and a specific Marvin song. So my first trip to Oahu happens March of 2011, and it was spring break time. I had actually, this is how I'm telling you, cheaper to go to Hawaii than Florida a lot of the time. I, it was my last day at a job, and I had given them two weeks notice, and within the first week, they immediately like took away all of my work. So I was sitting there twiddling my thumbs by Wednesday of my first week of the two weeks notice. I was like, you know what? Oh, hell no. I am not about to sit here for like 12 more days just doing this. Like next week, I need to take a trip somewhere and just put a buffer space between leaving this ugly environment because it had gotten to be ugly and they that company had filed for bankruptcy and they were coming through with a machete and just taking people's jobs away and I knew I was next on the list so I just luckily managed to get another job lined up and you know I wanted buffer space between leaving that environment and stepping into my new job so I was like I got a week next week I'm not coming in here and I'm going to go somewhere so I was pricing out to go to Florida I hadn't traveled anywhere for seven years um, up to this point prior uh, 9-11 had happened actually just the weekend before 9-11 happened I had been both in Pittsburgh where the plane crashed where the people took over and, and their plane crashed. And from there, because I was on my way to D.C., that was my layover on my way to D.C. And I had been to D.C. multiple times, but that particular trip was the first trip that we went and visited the Pentagon. So I had just days before, the only, I didn't go to New York. I've never been to New York, but I had gone to these other places and came back and my first day going back to my little job, I'm walking into my job and the towers are going down. So, you know, that I, um, but it was time to travel, you know, it was time to travel. And I had doing that math, 2011, it wasn't only seven years since I, since to nine 11, but you know, I had traveled once or twice in between then, but it just, it still kind of gave me the heebie jeebies. So, the last place I had gone seven years prior was to Florida, and I was just looking to try and price that out again. I was trying to go back to the same location and just do the same thing for the week. And it took me eight hours because I was just very painstakingly trying to find the, these things, price everything out. And at the end of the day, end of my day at this job, I was getting ready to hit the buy button. And But then I remembered, I was like, right before I was about to purchase this, I at the time, I didn't have a credit card. 
to my name. So I was like, crap, I know though, when I get to this hotel to check in, like I might be able to go ahead and buy this whole package right now. But when I get to that hotel to check in, I know a hotel always wants you to give them a credit card for a security deposit. I was like, crap, I don't have one. What will they let me do? I was like, I got to figure that out before I buy this. It's non-refundable. And then I'm not able to check into the hotel. So I was like, oh, hell no, I got to call this hotel. So it takes me like 15 minutes to find a direct number to the hotel. I call them. They have no idea what to do with a scenario like this. So they put me on hold for like 10 minutes to figure it out. They come back. They're like, oh, we'll make you give us some cash. Like you're going to have to give us $200 cash when you check in. If nothing happens, we'll give it back to you when you check out. And I was like, oh, yikes. That's kind of shady, but I don't have a credit card. So what am I going to do? Right. So got that figured out. Get back into Travelocity. You're going to try and buy this thing. And of course, by then, my flights had sold out, the hotel sold out. I was like, oh, okay, so I wasn't supposed to go. So I just felt, felt like that was a sign that I wasn't supposed to do this. So I go ahead and I, I call my dad when I get home that night because my dad's very conservative and very, I always need to be responsible with my money and I always need to save more money than I, you know, so I was just like, yeah, I know if I run this by my dad, he'll let me know that I wasn't supposed to do this and I'll just keep it moving. But actually when I called him, he was like, no, you should go someplace. He's like, yeah, I haven't been anywhere for seven years and you have this week before your next job. He's like, yeah, you need to go. And I was like, what are you talking about? And so he's like, I told him, I was like, well, I don't think that I can afford to go anyplace else in Florida. And he's like, all right, so if you can't go to Florida, where would you want to go? And I was like, well, if I could go anywhere, I would want to go to Hawaii. But it's like, of course, I can't afford that. And he's like, how do you know? He's like, have you priced it out? I was like, well, of course not. But it's Hawaii. Like, that's I wouldn't be able to go. And I know, folks, I get it. Like, why we have these mindsets, at least back in the day, not so much nowadays, because I think like Hawaii life kind of shows it's a little bit more attainable. But back in these days, before they kind of had regular shows showing the Hawaiian Islands. What you would see if you ever saw a show about the Hawaiian Islands was something explaining like Marvin's experience. He was staying in this luxurious, you know, five-star hotel, private beach. That's what you think. And you're thinking the rich and famous only can afford to go out there. But it's not like that. I promise you it is not like that. So, and I will explain. Let me, I'll break this down how I found this out. So I went ahead and I started to price out going to Hawaii now. And my dad, he just told me two things. He was like, book yourself a hotel that is on the beach. And then when you get there, because we had landed on Oahu was where I was going to be able to go. It, the other islands at that time, right? You know, like two, this was two days before I was going to go. This was a Friday and I was looking to go on Monday. So that close, you know, to the taking the trip the one that was the island that was affordable was Oahu. The other ones were pricing out way too high. Sometimes you're going to find that. It'll be like everything sold out and what is available is really, really overpriced. But that's why you either look a couple of days ahead and you'll find a screaming deal or look months down the line and just prepare for it. So I'm looking. He's telling me I got to get a, a hotel on the beach because he's been there before. He's been to Oahu. And then that's what he told me, too. He's like, once you get there, he's like, you go have yourself a cup of tea. Go do tea in the Queen's Palace Hotel. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it's called the Queen's Palace Hotel, but there's this pink iconic on Waikiki Beach in Honolulu. And I didn't go do the tea. 
But I did go and chill on the lawn seats out on the beach of that hotel. I and I went into the hotel. I don't. I don't think I could find where they were doing the tea. Um, but yeah, for some reason he wanted me to go to tea, do high tea in that <laughs> hotel. It is a very old fashioned hotel. Um, it's, I think it is the first luxury, uh, hotel that was built on the island of Oahu. So it dates back to like the 1800s, I think. Um, that's why he wanted me to do that. But, um, the most important thing was that I needed to find a hotel on the beach. So, I was like, okay, daddy, is it really that important? You know what I mean? Like, I'll get close to the beach, right? So I start looking around and I'm finding things that are budget friendly and it's half a mile from the beach. So I kept running things by him throughout that night. It took me the way it took me eight hours to try and do Florida. It took me another eight hours to finally get this flight booked, the hotel package booked for uh, Hawaii. And I kept calling him back as I was finding things. And I'm running this hotel by and I'm like, look, it's got all of this. It's got this, that, and this is coming with it. And it's half a mile from the beach. And he's like, nope, get on the beach. Call me back. And so I was like, oh my gosh, my dad is killing me here. Because I really didn't think. I still have this very limiting mindset myself. I'm like, I can't even put my search parameter in to be on the beach. I'm not going to be able to afford it. But, you know, slowly and progressively, then I would call him and be like, I found one that's a quarter mile. And he was just like, legit, get on the beach. He's like, a quarter mile is too far away. He's like, be on the beach. So finally, you know, after painstakingly just moving myself closer and closer to the beach in my search results here, I found a hotel and I would highly recommend this hotel on the island of Oahu. It's called the Aston Waikiki Beach. Um... If it's the same that it was when I went there, because this is back in 2011, but they had just undergone a renovation. So it was freshly done when I got there. Um, they had just redone it in this cute little tiki, um, you know, decor. And it had uh, just little floral bedding and stuff. Not like cheesy floral. It was like red with white flowers. You know what I mean? So it was very cool. They've actually shown this hotel several times on the um, show Hawaii Five O because it's on like this main it's on the beach right there's Waikiki beach and there's a road that is adjacent to the beach and then on adjacent to that road are a strip of hotels and so this hotel I feel like it's the last hotel on that street and then right next to the hotel is the Honolulu Zoo and so Yes, I would highly recommend it if it's still in good shape like it was back then. It was affordable. I would give it a four-star rating, um, and I was able to afford it. And um, it came at the time. I, it doesn't do it now unless they've reinstated it. I've looked after this trip to stay there again, and they didn't still have this screaming deal. But it was a. I booked my room, and it came with free breakfast every day for two people and the way that they were letting you do it is they gave you these little insulated lunch tote bags but they wanted you to take your bags down with you every morning and every morning they had a local hula hawaiian dancer singer ukulele player little setup like that down in their little courtyard and you were just very gently woken up to this very soft lulling music and it was just very beautiful so that was how you kind of got the wake up call in the morning and then you'd take your little insulated bags down and I got two and they had this breakfast buffet that you could just walk through and load up your bag because they were encouraging you to take your little insulated bag and go across the street and have your breakfast on the beach so they had everything 
uh, fruits and, and pastries and yogurts. And they had an omelet bar and a waffle bar. I mean, it was just set up and you just packed up your bag and juices, coffees went across the street. Um, they also had on site a Wolfgang Puck Express, which was good eating. I mean, it was high quality cuisine and like a $20 a plate thing and they packaged it up to go you just kind of it was like fast food you stood there you ordered it waited for them to make it they packaged it up to go for you but it was great eating and I don't even eat fish but they had a mahi mahi that of course it was so fresh oh my gosh it was so good plus they had an on-site subway and an on-site little cookie store so I mean it was just everything was so convenient um it's prime location right on the beach could not be closer to the beach and yeah just prime proximity to everything so I got that and it was an everything type of trip. Um, and this is where, you know, Marvin was living in the bread van. He was, I believe it was the island of Oahu is where he was living in this bread van in April of 1980. And um, so this was the trip that I was telling you about earlier where I was walking on the, the back of these people's properties on this little trail and stuff. So... Uh, it was an in and out trip, though. I, I took a flight. I got in like sunset time Monday. I had Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and my flight left crack of dawn Friday morning. So here it was Thursday night now, right? And I was brokenhearted because I had to go to bed because I had to be up at four o'clock to get to the airport on time, right? So, you know, but I didn't want to have to go to bed early-ish, right? You know, I, I had been enjoying myself. They had a little... Uh, bar live music thing going on right there on site too so that was jamming and they all they had great music and I you know I wanted to go down and do that again but I needed to go to bed so I go to bed and then probably about three hours into me being in bed I'm starting to hear a loud noise and I'm like okay woke me up and then I'm like you know what I'm getting the impression that's a bullhorn coming from outside this is a noise that's coming from outside and I get the impression it's a bullhorn like coming from down on the street now I was probably up on the eighth floor so I was like what in the world is popping off like wh why would somebody be out there making all this noise like this it was at least midnight if not later so I was like and it just kind of kept on happening and so I was like I think I'm probably supposed to be hearing what is being said right now. So I went out onto the balcony and then I could hear it. And it was, attention, attention, a tsunami is going to hit the island at 3 a.m. this morning. Evacuate the beach, get off of the street and get up to at least a third floor. Attention, attention, a tsunami is going to hit the island. <laughs> It's not funny, of course, right? It's not funny, but it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Oh, no, right? So huh, I was like, oh, okay. The only imagery that I have in my mind of a tsunami at this point that I've seen, you know, has taken place is the one that hit the Indian Ocean countries. Uh, what was that in 2005 that devas 2004 2005 that devastating tsunami that I was like oh my 
Uh, yikes, dude. And so then a little bit after that too, pretty fucking creepy. And actually, you know what? I think before I got up and got out and was listening to that bullhorn, what was creepy as fuck is I just, I heard something slide underneath my door. I was like, what the, f-? and I think that's the first thing that got me up. No knock on the door or anything, but just a slide underneath the door. And so I was like, what the fuck was that? So I go over and there's a little piece of paper. It was from the hotel telling everybody the same stuff that's going off on the bullhorns. I'm like, oh my gosh, dude, this is really happening. So of course I get on the phone, I call my dad and I just now realized this. If it was like midnight or one o'clock in the morning out in Hawaii, it had to have been four or five o'clock in the morning when I was calling my dad. So that was, that just had to be, no matter what, that had to be a horrible phone call to be receiving. And then once he picks it up and he's talking to me, I'm telling him that a tsunami is about to hit the eye. Like it was just horrible. It was horrible. So we're sitting there and he was just like, I, I tried to keep it together, but after a little bit, I started to cry a little bit. And he was like, it's like, Oh, he's like, it's okay. It's going to be all right. You're going to be fine. But we had the Pacific Ocean in in between us. Like, there was nothing he could do but to tell me that, right? To just try and get me to calm down. So, uh, you know, I realized, like, I just had to do that. And so he was like, just stay informed. He's like, turn on the local news, you know, see what's going on, see what they're saying. He was like, call the airport, see if your flight is canceled. He's like, because it might not have been canceled yet you know there could be a chance thank goodness you know my flight was early enough in the morning he was like it could be possible that they would still get your flight out and so he was like just you got some calls to make and some things to do right so I was like all right so I do those things my flight for some reason was not canceled so you know what and then it was just like okay I was sitting there and I'm watching this local news and they just are you know scrutinizing the situation and they have a little live cam going on and so here we go my dad though right like and and I'm not blaming my dad but this it just is what the situation was how he had insisted that I be on the beach right then when the local news was doing their live coverage they had a live webcam and I'm looking at their thing and I'm like I swear this is right outside this hotel right now is the camera on the side of this building because the thing that they're showing on the tv right now I'm looking at that on my balcony you know what I'm saying like (laughs) I was on the beach so uh I couldn't look at that anymore after a bit. It was like, uh, you know what came over me? The spirit of my grandmother. And I'm going to just tie her into this really quick. Um, After my grandpa had died, I told you about how this neighborhood had just gone south, right? It had gone pretty bad. But it was actually interesting. uh, By the time that my grandpa passed away, in in these two years that my grandma was living in the house by herself, uh, the neighborhood just all on its own, it straightened up, it cleaned up, it, it changed back into a family neighborhood. And you know why? And this was crazy. I, we were in the heart of just like the inner city of our area. And all of a sudden, I mean, and they had had drive by gang shootings, they called it the summer of violence. They were and it was like two blocks away from my grandparents house, uh, you know, and the, the local news would be down there for the 10 o'clock news. Just this is the latest gang drive by shooting just happened. They just killed a kid, right? Like, I mean, this it was horrific conditions, just in the blocks around my grandparents neighborhood. Um, 
at one point the police came in and did this sting operation. They did a raid on a house. It was either the house right next door or the house next door to next door of my grandparents. I mean, it, the situation was bad. It was dire. And then all of a sudden, though, after my grandfather passed away and in those two years that my grandma was living there by herself, the neighborhood came back together because all of these Mexicans from Mexico started to move in little Spanish speaking only Mexican families. They had their young children with them and they moved in and the neighborhood just quieted down and it became family again. And so it was safe. Um, I would say with my grandma, every chance that I got uh, when I was in college at this point, and I remember like they would never leave her and my grandpa had never slept with the porch light on. And so now when I would be staying with her, this was not her habit. She wouldn't ever leave the porch light on for me, but I would, I would go, you know, at nighttime, I would go kick it with my sister or my friend and I would be coming home at night and there would be no porch light on for me. So I'd be coming home in the pitch black, but all of a sudden it wasn't a dangerous thing. Like I could do that. I could be walking up in the dark to my grandmother's house and you know, it was just quiet as hell. Nothing was going on in the neighborhood. So Anyway, you know what I'm saying? Like she had gotten an alarm system in the house, right? Like that was just a needed thing anyway. Um, you know, in the very beginning, my dad, my aunt and myself were taking turns just most of the time trying to spend the night with her. But then it got to a point where, you know, we weren't always able to spend the night with her every time. So she would be there by herself a lot. And one time when I was over there, she tells me, yeah, she's like, you know, the alarm system went off about three o'clock in the morning the other night. <laughs> I was just like, I was like, oh my God, honey. I was like, what did you do? What were you thinking? Where Are you okay? Like, how scared are you? Like, obviously nothing happened, but like, how scared are you? And she was just like, you know what? I wasn't scared. She was like, I, if they were going to get me, they were going to get me. <laughs> And I've already explained my grandma to you, dude. Like, she was just as serious as she... She wasn't trying to make me laugh, right? Like, she... That was her legit response to that situation, to her alarm system going off at 3 o'clock in the morning. I don't know what had set it off. Um, nobody was coming into the house. I, something had happened. It was like a motion sensor. So something had been sensed, but it just... I think it might have been the wind or something. Like, she was safe. Nothing happened, but... Uh, even if it would have been something popping off, dude, she was just look, she was like, look, if they were going to get her, they were going to get her. So all of a sudden that spirit came over me in, in Hawaii at this moment, as I have been sitting here now for probably like a good hour and a half, just watching the local news. And they're just, you know, live camming right outside of this hotel that I'm staying in. And everybody's just waiting for this fucking tsunami to come. It was like, you know what? I can't watch this anymore. There's, there's nothing that I can do about this. And this is happening, Right. So I was like, the only thing that I thought to do was to just go put some water, run some water into the bathtub so that if shit popped off, I would at least have a supply of water. And other than I went and I put some water in the bathtub. I didn't fill it up all the way. I didn't want to take more than my fair share, right? But I just put some water in there. And then it was like, let me change the channel. And do you know what, lo and behold, happened to be on at like 2 o'clock in the morning in Hawaii? was the Jersey Shore full perfect timing could not have been more perfect timing. <laughs> 
I just sat there and I watched the fucking Jersey Shore, dude. Just watching these fools living their sloppy, messy lives. Because it was back in the day. It was original gangster Jersey Shore. It was all the Ron and Sammy drama. Now, that had been my show all along. That has been my guilty pleasure from day one. Actually, not from day one. I didn't jump onto it until... They were hyping up the episode where Snooki got punched in the face. I wasn't trying to pay attention to that shit at all. They were hyping it up to be so trashy and so, oh, you know, embarrassing for Italians and stuff. So I wasn't jumping on that bandwagon. But then when they were hyping up the episode where Snooki was going to get punched in the face, I was like, oh, no. dude!" I was like, "Ooh, I might have to just look at that for a second. And then I was hooked. And so I kept up with that show for the years to come. So when I got flipped the channel and I saw they were on, it was like family. (laughs) It was like safety. I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, yes. And it was in the episodes, like I said, where it was the height of that Ron and Sammy drama. And so it was just like, you know what? Unfortunately, Jersey Shore, which is showing me right now, is that shit could be worse. (laughs) So I just sat there. And for the next several hours, you know, and then I I kept calling the airport and my flight wasn't canceled. So I just had the Jersey Shore. I was either full on sitting there watching it or, you know, it was time to just like get all the way completely packed up and just get all of my shit together and in my suitcase because my flight was not canceled and they were on in the background and I was just going to try and get off of the island, dude. So, um... Yeah, nothing got canceled, and my I had ordered already. When I first booked the the trip, I had booked a shuttle to pick me up that morning to take me to the airport, and so the shuttle was still coming. But now, actually, by the time and so they were pushing back the time frame of when the tsunami was going to hit because three o'clock came, and they were like, "Okay, actually, we think it'll be here at five o'clock in the morning." So about five o'clock in the morning is when I had to take my ass down onto the street, which they had been, attention, attention, get off of the street, be at least up to the third floor. And so, but they weren't canceling flights and my shuttle was still coming to pick up people. So we were down on the street now at about the time that they were saying that this tsunami was supposed to hit. And where was I? I was on the beach, right? Like when I was down there, I got down to the shuttle This guy was picking up a group of people and most of us were there already and he was loading our luggage in and he was so on alert and everybody, we were just standing there. We were probably like half a block away because where he was picking us up was like on the back part of the hotel and that was probably like half a block off of the beach but it was too close for comfort and we were just all standing there just looking like oh my gosh because we were waiting for somebody. There was this one, one last two people that were taking forever to come down and he, but he didn't leave without him. Um, and so they finally got on and then he was just booking it to get us to the airport and we got to the airport and they were still over the, you know, intercom on the airport telling that the tsunami was still on its way. It was going to hit and shit, but Flights were taken off and oh my gosh, we got out of there. So why I'm telling you all of this though is because of praise. The Marvin Gaye song, Praise. I got on that airplane and I took a picture out the window. There was all of a sudden this rainbow that was in the sky. 
And I was just like, oh my gosh, that just was such a sign of hope for me. And so when I came back, you know, this actually, just to let you know what all of that was, was the leftover of the actual earthquake and tsunami that had happened in Japan. That had actually just happened. And so as like an after effect of that, after shocks, after waves or whatever, they were expecting that a tsunami was going to also hit the Hawaiian Islands. Now, something did end up hitting there, but it was not nothing to be worried about. It was no tsunami. It was just like some really high waves. It did a little bit of damage to some boats in the area, but nobody, I don't think anybody really got hurt in Hawaii. Um, but they were just being obviously overcautious. So, um, but it, you know, I didn't know that until I was landing in, uh, where my parents were picking me up they finally told but he was my dad was laughing he was like that tsunami was following you though he was like um you know it did its little bit of damage in Hawaii and then it also did a little bit of damage in San Francisco and I had had a layover flight in San Francisco so he was like yeah I was following you <laughs> so um when I came home, I put together a little movie to music, kind of like what I've got on my YouTube channel right here with the, the Marvin Gaye, You Are The Way You Are instrumental. I just put all my pictures together and all kinds of songs. And right towards the end of the movie, though, I really focused on the song Praise. And it was just, and I hope I can find this. I'm going to look and see if I have this in my files. And if I do, I'll post this up too so you guys can see it. Um, it's actually, it was like an hour long movie. So I'll, I'll probably trim it down to the, the song praise, but you know, the song praise, this is finally kind of when I got like a very deep personal connection to it because it just, it turned that song around into something so personal for me to just offer up your praise, dude, just, and Marvin's telling you to praise all the time, praise him when you're sad you know, and I'll add the line, praise them when you're scared to death. You know what I mean? It's just sometimes you got to just let it go sometimes and just be praising up and just stay prayed up. That's what my family says. You know, you got to stay prayed up, stay praised up. And so there's lines in the song, right? Praise him from the mountaintop. And in that my little movie, I did it just perfect timing. I showed a picture of Diamond Head Mountain. Praise him even when you shop. And right at then, I took a little clip of um, a picture of this uh, Malasada shop that's legendary there on Oahu. It's called Leonard's um, on this little 24-hour local Hawaiian channel. That was someplace that they said in Honolulu that you have to go check out if you like pastry, if you like donuts and stuff. It's like a local thing down in the Hawaiian Islands. It's this Portuguese dessert. It's like a Portuguese pastry and it's called a Malasada and there's this place called Leonard's. It's iconic for it. And it's like the best. And I, you know, hands down, because I don't even, I have tried some other malasadas on other islands and other places on Oahu. Leonard's is the place to go. Um, and so I had gone down to the front desk at my hotel asking them, I'm like, where's Leonard's? And they were looking at me like I was crazy because it was probably about one o'clock in the afternoon that I was asking them this and they're like it's about three miles away from here and the bus doesn't run that way that little trolley that I they're like it doesn't run that way so they were looking at me like are you trying to walk in this hot ass sun right now three miles just to go to Leonard's and I was like yes please. I was like could you show me where it is I had a little map so they mapped it out for me once I got started, I understood why they were looking at me like I was crazy because it was like, ooh, this is really too hot. But I did it. I walked until I got there. And 
got in. They had been hyping it up. They had shown this little commercial. It was a local surfer. He was talking about any time that he makes it back to Oahu, he's got to go over to Leonard's and he'll order himself half a dozen malasadas. He sits right outside the door, right on the, you know, the property and he eats all six of them before he leaves. And I was like, Ooh, I got to go get me one of these. Like he was making that shit look so good. You know, when people eat food and they just make it look so good. So I was like, I have to go get one of these. So I finally got there and I was like, okay, but I could smell it when I was walking up. I was like, all right, on this hot ass heat, this was worth it. I can already tell it was worth it. So they came out fresh. Now what it is, it's like a cross between so many things because it is Portuguese. And when you think about it, the Portuguese were the explorers exploring the Hawaiian islands back in those days. So they left part of their culture there. Um, it's like a cross between an empanada, a sopapilla, a donut, and it's custard filled. Then they deep fry it and then they dip it in sugar. So it's like got the sugar crystals. on. Oh, my God. I already told you how my grandpa made me go ham for donuts. Like I just can go in on donuts. And so mm, then on top of it, what makes it Hawaiian is like out in Hawaii, they have all these special flavors of things, you know, the local fruits and, and flavorings that they have out there. And I'm going to look and see if I can find this really quick, but I believe and that this is called how Pia is the flavoring or the name of what they call certain things. And it's like a coconut uh, fruit kind of, not overly fruity, but it is like this custardy, creamy. Ooh, it's so good. So they filled it with that. Hold on. Let me, uh, they filled, I got some that had that kind of a filling and then they had chocolate. Oh, it was delicious. How pia coconut pudding. Yes. How pia is a traditional coconut milk based Hawaiian dessert. Yes. Uh, oh my God. Oh, I sat there and I ate that first one and I dedicated that to my papa because I was like, papa, because he was with me right there. I knew my honey and my papa come with me when I go to Hawaii all the time. Okay. Uh, I knew that he was eating that with me. (laughs) Oh my God, papa, this is the best donut that it's not a donut that I have ever had in my life. Oh my gosh. It was everything. It was so worth it. So yeah, there's a line in the song praise. Praise him even when you shop. And I sure did right at that moment. Showed my picture of the sign of Leonard's. Dude. <laughs> it was just like, yes, dude. It was, I made it there and I made it home alive. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't funny at all because, you know, no, no really bad damage happened there, but very bad damage had happened, you know, just earlier in that day, someplace else in the world. So it was real. It was legit. You know, my heart went out to the damage that really had been done. My heart goes out right now to any of the listeners that are in harm's way right now. I hope you stay safe. Just stay out of harm's way as much as you can. Please, you know, just stay abide by those rules. Take it seriously. You just always have to take it seriously, but stay praised up, dude. Pray it up. Praise it up right in the midst, especially when you're scared to death. Just praise it up, dude. Turn on the Jersey Shore. Okay, just watch the Jersey Shore. Just 
you know what? It just goes to show shit can still be worse. You can look at somebody else's messy mess and it could still be a little bit worse. So, um, and honestly, like just tying this back into Marvin too, I really think he was in the midst. He was kind of in the height of some of his hardest times, times that he was out here in the Hawaiian islands. And I really just think that Hawaii being a little bit bigger than circumstances gave us a little bit more time, gave us a few more albums with Marvin. So definitely check out the scenes that I have here on the YouTube channel, guys. Um, I got a whole playlist dedicated to it. It's at least I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine videos right now. There could be more. Um, I will put up more. I have more to make and more to give. So, um, yeah, just definitely Take care and we'll be talking to you soon. Bye-bye. Well, friends, that's it for this episode. Did we have fun? I had fun. <laughs> Subscribe to our show so you never miss the enduring gifts of Marvin Gaye. And we're excited to announce that you can follow us on Pinterest at our page, pinterest.com forward slash Marvin Gaye underscore enduring underscore gifts. There, you can see our gorgeous picture boards for each podcast episode, among many others. These boards are full of images of Marvin, capturing key moments from each episode. We're making this a listening and viewing experience for you. So until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you.